You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. You guys know that I am a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is sponsored by Rock Auto. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome back to another Monday episode, another fresh week here at the Locked On Rams podcast. And we do have a little bit of an update to share in this first segment on the Julio Jones saga. It's officially come to an end. And as you guys probably know, it wasn't with the Los Angeles Rams, unfortunately. But we're going to dive into that. And then in the finals two segments, we're going to share the part two of the interview with Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic. Telling you guys, you do not want to miss that. She dove into Matthew Stafford, some of that good stuff. Her potential breakout player of the year for the Rams this season, as well as mine, and a few other questions. So make sure you guys tune into those segments. But before we get into that, we want to give you an update on the Julio Jones saga. As I mentioned, he is not a Los Angeles Ram. He is a Tennessee Titan. The Tennessee Titans sent a 2022 second round pick and a fourth round pick in 2023. And the Atlanta Falcons are sending Julio Jones and their own sixth round pick in 2023 in exchange for those picks. So basically, the way I look at it is essentially the Titans got Julio Jones for a second round pick this year and a fifth round pick next year. That seems like a pretty good deal to me. Now, one of the key kickers here is that the Titans are obviously going to take in the entire salary that Julio Jones has for this season. And I think that's where a lot of the hazy situation came in when it came to the Rams, as well as the other rumored teams, potentially the New England Patriots, the San Francisco 49ers, and definitely, I think, the Rams and the Seattle Seahawks, because only four teams in the NFL prior to this trade going down could have eaten Julio's entire salary for this season without making any adjustments to their salary cap, no trades, no restructures, no cuts, no things like that, just straight up inheriting the entire salary Only four teams, and I think the Titans were obviously one of them if they didn't really adjust anything here. So kudos to the Titans. They got a lot more explosive. Obviously, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are going to be one of the best wide receiver duels in football. The Atlanta Falcons, they still got some good receivers, some good weapons. They're kind of in a weird mode where they're half rebuilding, half not. I don't really know what their direction is, but when it comes to the Rams, I don't really think they missed out on a ton here. Now, Would I have liked to see them go get Julio Jones? Absolutely. I think Julio, and we talked about it ad nauseum for the past week and a half, would have made you one of the best offenses in football, arguably the best in football, one of the best teams in the NFC, and one of the teams that would probably be inside the top three of explosive offenses, maybe number one, I don't know. But at the end of the day, I don't think the Rams lost out on too much because they still have Robert Woods there. They still have Cooper Cup there. Those are going to be your 1A and 1B wide receivers. Two incredibly dependent and consistently good players, very good players. And then they obviously did pay Deshaun Jackson a lot of money as well. More than most guys that play four games per year over the last two years would have gotten. So that kind of tells us what the Rams had in plan or in store for Deshaun going into the season. And I think that that is going to be an extensive wide receiver three role. And then, you know, behind him, you still have Van Jefferson, second round pick, Tutu Atwell, second round pick. And the way I look at it is like this. 
your 1A and 1B, so your number one and number two receivers are locked in, Woods and Cup. You know they're going to get theirs, and I think they both get a significant boost with Matthew Stafford, their quarterback now. Moving on to the number three receiver and, you know, I guess the three remaining receivers, how they split up those duties. I look at it like a stack of pancakes here, all right? Deshaun Jackson is your stack of five or six pancakes. He's going to make up the foundation there. He's going to be the guy that probably gets the most snaps, targets, production, and deep production, I guess, too. I look at Van Jefferson as the guy that's the whipped cream on the top and the syrup. You know, they're going to sprinkle him in a little bit here and there. He's going to play maybe, you know, 25, 30, 35, 40% of the snaps. Not as much as Jackson. He's not going to be as important to the offense, but I still do think he's going to play a little bit of an extensive role. He's going to see, you know, some of those intermediate targets, some of those shorter targets, maybe a little bit of work in the red zone, some of the deeper targets. This is a guy that can do a little bit of everything sort of like a Cooper Cup, like a Robert Woods, maybe nothing at an elite level, but a lot of good things or most things at a very good or good level. So I think he's going to see his this season as well. Not as extensive as Deshaun Jackson, in my opinion, but I do think he will see some playing time. And then Tutu Atwell, the most recently added receiver, the most recent draft pick. I think he's going to be like the sprinkles on top of that pancake stack. Not going to see a ton of playing time, but you are going to see him inside that gadget style usage, some jet sweeps, a few shots down the field to kind of get his feet under him in his rookie season. A good amount of playing on special teams, I'm thinking, in terms of the punt return unit, maybe even as a kick returner. I don't know. But I do think that the Rams ultimately are still going to be one of the best offenses in football. I still think they have a lot of the pieces that they need in place to still be one of the most explosive offenses in football. You added to Sean Jackson for a reason. And this is a guy, when healthy, who can take the top off the defense still. He can still create a lot of those explosive plays. And yeah, sure, you don't really have anyone outside of him who's going to be like a Julio Jones, but... The Rams never really had a number one wide receiver over the past five years since Sean McVay's been in town. Brandon Cooks was, I guess, the de facto number one by just really title. It wasn't like a huge shift in terms of the production. So, you know, Julio Jones, whether he came to the Rams or not, probably would not have had a 1,500-yard season. Maybe it would have been a 1,200-yard season, and Cup and Woods both have 950 or 1,000-yard seasons. I think it would have been a lot closer than people would have anticipated, but Would have been nice to have that kind of a threat there. They don't have him. Julio Jones, now a Tennessee Titan. It is good news, at least for the Rams, because he's not in the NFC West. The Seahawks were the ultimate favorite to actually land him over the past few days after the odds flipped, and the San Francisco 49ers were obviously in play as well. So good news for the Rams. They could not get their hands on Julio, but at the end of the day, nobody else in the NFC West gets him either. This does, in my opinion, keep the Rams as the favorite in the NFC West right now. And they didn't land him, but I want to say a kudos and shout out to general manager Les Need for always calling, always looking for a way to improve the roster no matter what. At the very minimum, you can pick that phone up, call the other GMs, see what they're offering, see what they got on the table, and at least explore. And good for the Rams because they did explore this option. Ultimately, it was either too expensive for them in terms of the assets or the salary or both, and they found a different direction that they wanted to go in. And I think that ultimately they will field a very, very good offense in 2021, regardless of whether they had acquired Julio Jones or not. Talking about the offense being more productive this season, in the next segment, we're going to share part two of the Jordan Rodrigue interview. She's obviously of the athletic 
does great work there. She talked about quarterback Matthew Stafford, how he's fitting in in his new offense, as well as her potential breakout player for the Rams this season. And while we've got you, come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MVP and the page at Locked on Rams. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NBA and NHL playoffs are officially live. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I feel like the fans would kill me if I didn't bring this up. We got to talk about Matthew Stafford, of course. Um, and like you mentioned, it's hard to really get anything from OTAs. They're hardly even wearing helmets, you know, half the time. But does he kind of appear to be fitting in well, you know, with his new head coach? How's that kind of uh, dynamic between Sean McVay and Stafford? Um, is it maybe any different than what you've seen from the past, you know, in between uh, McVay and Goff? How does he look with his weapons? Do they kind of look like they're starting to gel a little bit? Yeah, you know, to me so far, it seems really collaborative. And I think that's the key word that people will want to look for as they sort of evaluate how this relationship has progressed is like he right now they're they're installing so much and they're playing, like I said, playing against air and repping, you know, sort of lighter and things like that. But and establishing rhythm and timing and, and all of that. But it's really interesting to watch. Sometimes they'll be in the middle of a, of a play or the middle of a install progression. And Matthew will sort of step back and hold the ball and like bring Sean over and they'll have a really quick conversation. What are you seeing? What am I seeing? Um, and, and talk about what happens on this certain progression, what happens on this step, what happens here, where's the receiver going here, what he's seeing from the defense. And that's that's interesting because obviously last year, you know, I came in and they were running the same offense essentially. So they weren't like installing from essentially level one, which is what they're doing right now with mm-hmm. Matthew, between Matthew and, and Sean McVay. So to see it sort of reverse engineered to the point where you're, you can start to see the pieces being built in in a very communicative way has has really been fascinating because you're seeing how this language is spoken whereas it became a routine it was a routine between Sean and Jared um, and and that language had already been established and mm-hmm. so what I really am interested in obviously we won't see this until training camp but schematically some of the concepts that Matthew Stafford really likes to blend in with Sean McVay's offense that we know is you know he's been running with success for the last several years but how will that continue to change and how do some of those things that maybe one person liked to do get put aside in favor of maybe what the quarterback is really, really good at and what sort of ways can you explore maximizing the use of your quarterback within his talent set. And I think that that's going to be interesting to see. And it's a conceptual term, but just how free Sean McVay can get with this and how free Matthew Stafford can play with this, um, within this system. That's what, that's something that I'm really interested to see unfold but right now it's very interesting they're they're basically pouring the concrete before they build the building so watching them communicate in that way has been um, really really interesting and I think that's probably the biggest factor in terms of why the Rams might have gone to go get a new quarterback like Stafford versus 
you know, the potential other options like keeping Goff or going to get a rookie like the 49ers did is it allows Sean McVay to essentially open up his entire playbook and have very minimal limitations, probably only, you know, the mobility aspect of Stafford, which he's still a lot more mobile, in my opinion, than Jared Goff was, at least in terms of, you know, inside the pocket and just being nimble and things like that. Probably top end speed too, but um, I don't think any anyone's going to, you know, mistake those guys for Lamar Jackson soon. But along that line, I guess, you know, with Stafford being a 12-year veteran, I'm sure he's one of the guys that have stepped up. But is there anyone in general that you've kind of noticed that stepping up was one of those vocal leaders with, you know, a lot of vocal leaders leaving the Rams. We talked about John Johnson, Michael Brockers, who we haven't even mentioned yet. Um, that's a lot of leadership that has left the building. A lot of guys that were with the team for quite a long time. Michael Brockers, one of the more, you know, longer tenured players. Is there anyone in general that you've seen kind of stepping up in that role? Well, on the defensive side, I thought it was interesting talking to Sebastian Joseph Day this week about how much quieter it feels out there. Um, and it was almost mm-hmm. like that that self-actualization and realization of, oh, maybe maybe I can slot in and step into this role. And it was kind of him working through that in real time of maybe this is an opportunity for him to be a little bit more of a vocal leader, um, especially because, you know, right now, this is an opportunity for every younger player to sort of seize their moment because veterans are coming in and out of the workouts. So I, I do think that, you know, you're really going to want to see Terrell Burgess, like I mentioned, step up and see how he can, you know, negotiate that traffic vocally. You're going to want to see, you know, a couple of the linebackers really step up and try to, um, you know, compete for whoever is going to be that that running tandem, that that starting pair, and whoever is going to be the field on the field the longest needs to be an emotional leader, needs to vocalize certain things. Um, but it is going to be really interesting on that side of the ball because it really, I to me, is like sort of an open. You know, Aaron Donald always leads by example and is always helping guys out. But mm-hmm. in terms of that, Michael Brockers, like I'm going to slam my helmet against all your helmets <laughs> and get you guys ready to go you know, bust some ass on the field. Like that's, that's something that's um, definitely going to be a necessity for them to establish through this off season. And then on the offensive side, like as long as you've got Andrew Whitworth, Robert Woods and Cooper cup running your system, like I think that you're pretty clear on, (laughs) on communication in in that regard. So um, that's, that's still established as, as always. And I think Matthew is, is figuring out ways to also establish himself without, over asserting and and being kind of like, yeah, I'm a 13 year quarterback and, you know, we're going to go, you know, I'm going to win you guys a Super Bowl instead of, you know, maybe he's more the type that wants to take the approach of we're all going to do this together. And I respect your experience and I respect where you're coming from and your perspective. And how can you communicate like uh, I keep overusing this word, but in collaboration. Um, mm-hmm. So I do think that that's going to be uh, interesting for for them to establish on the offensive side. But Andrew Whitworth's still the heart and soul uh, of this offense. So I don't see that changing. Yeah. And even on the defensive side of the ball, you look at their new leader, I guess, in Raheem Morris, and uh, he doesn't seem like a guy that's ever really going to be all too quiet and run out of no. words. He seems like <laughs> a high energy guy. And that's kind of been the... Um, the talk of the town, I guess, even through, you know, the player uh, conferences that I've watched uh, over the past week or so. seems like all the defensive players especially are sort of talking about how he's um, a little bit more vocal maybe than a, a guy like Brandon Staley was. Yeah, I would say that um, Raheem is, is really, really like um, brightly intense, like mm-hmm. someone who 
is really intentional about the language he uses and the way that he approaches you in terms of pushing forth that energy and sort of trying to draw it out of you as well. And I think that's obviously great coaches have that ability. Um, And I think he sort of knows that, you know, after all of this time and all the success that he's had in the league, you obviously can't approach players the same way. And that's something that Brandon Staley was was really good at was knowing who to approach in one way versus who to approach in a different way and, and how to, to change up teaching styles into very um, different things and different approaches in that way. And I think Raheem is, is very much the same way in that um, if he senses a player like Leonard Floyd loved that Raheem Morris would come up and like talk a little smack to him to get him going. Well, Mm -hmm. some players respond so well to that. Others don't. So I think Raheem is um, really a great example of a teacher who is able to put on a bunch of different hats and, and change the way that he communicates, but it's always very, very brightly intense and very energetic. And he and Sean McVay go back and forth a lot and they have that sort of camaraderie and that brotherly competition um, that I think, honestly, Sean McVay, um, you know, it's not like he didn't have that with Brandon Staley, but Raheem is somebody who he goes so far back with that I can imagine mm-hmm. it's something uh, somewhat of a um, a really comforting in a way thing for him to have that dynamic within his staff and sort of that that guy who he knows so well that he maybe doesn't have to spend as much time over in that side of the room, um, first of all, learning the the system in the first place because they're mm-hmm. keeping a lot of the same things in place that he learned last year from Brandon Staley. Um, but second of all, like he knows intrinsically his coaching style and that the players are, you know, what the players are absorbing from him because he knows Raheem so well. And I feel like, um, you know, even that friendly competition between Raheem and Sean probably is something that could like leak into the rest of the team, right? That's sort of like an energy that everyone else will feed off of and Raheem does strike me as a guy who's very charismatic in terms of just the way he carries himself. He, he seems like a guy that's very easy for players to buy into and to, to play for. But that is where we're going to leave off in this segment. Make sure to check back into the final segment to hear mine and Jordan's breakout player for the Rams going into 2021. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years. With that being the case, I've been on the lookout for the best protein bar on the market and finally found one called the Built Bar. I'm telling you guys, this bar is unlike any other protein bar out there. They're absolutely delicious and they have by far the best texture I've ever tried from any protein bar. They have over nine different flavors. You can never really get bored to be quite honest with you. They're also healthy. They're low in calories. They're low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for you on a keto diet. You'll even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. There is no better time than right now to support family-owned businesses with this strange COVID stuff that's going on in our world. So I urge you guys, if you can, to please support these family-owned businesses. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional and you're looking for the best prices, you absolutely need to check out Rock Auto. All you have to do is just go to their website and check out all their available parts. It's a never-ending list, and if your car needs it, I bet that they have it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. 
rockauto.com and write locked on in their how did you hear about us so they know that we sent you today on the locked on today podcast an embarrassing exit for the lakers get more of the sports news you need in less time with the locked on today podcast follow the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts and you don't have to pick one player this is our final question but i phrased it as one player is there say i gave you a hundred dollars and i told you you had to bet on one player (laughs) on the roster one player to break out in 2022 for the Rams, 2021, 2022, this season. Uh, doesn't matter on the offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball, one for each. Doesn't matter if you had to bet on one player that you think is really going to take that next step, whether that's, you know, someone who's established into that superstar tier or somebody who's maybe younger and hasn't really had a full time role yet into that really developed and, you know, solid starter tier. Uh, who would you pick for this season going into the season for the Rams? You know, I would probably pick Sebastian Joseph Day. I know he started last year, but I think that they're going to ask more of him as a pass rusher this year, not just Mm -hmm. as sort of a gap occupier and space eater type of guy. Um, They're going to need to continue to manufacture some of that pass rush when Aaron Donald is is occupied by um, several people at once. And so (laughs) I, I really, really think that um, Sebastian Joseph Day has made some great progress already, um, but is such a valuable player. They do a gap and a half scheme. So such a valuable player in that regard, but also in terms of what he can add with the pass rush um, and adding a couple of layers of technique to his game. I guess it maybe is not fair for me to pick him because he did start last year, but I do think that he's going to take that big step forward and become a little bit more well-known in 2021. Yeah, and that would definitely be a site that's welcomed for the Rams because, I mean, last year, and I've even posted it on Twitter and things like that, he was definitely, you know, a top three, maybe top two, maybe the best run defender in football when it comes to defensive linemen, at least, you know, eluding small sample sizes. He was so effective and efficient even, Um, but it would be nice to see somebody else, you know, other than Aaron Donald step up in that front seven and be a relatively consistent uh pass rusher because they've definitely sort of been looking for that but I do think at the end of the day Aaron Donald like you mentioned being blocked by multiple players pretty much every snap to be quite honest with you does make everyone else's job easier and you've seen guys like Leonard Floyd come in and you know ultimately put together career years because of all that attention that Aaron Donald does get but um, I like that choice and I do agree that I think he will be one of the players that takes a step forward I'm gonna go with Terrell Burgess Uh, we talked about him on this podcast I don't know I I love this tape coming out uh, coming out of Utah strikes me as a guy who's very versatile you know he can play single high he can rotate into two high shells he can play a lot of nickel and you know ironically enough a lot of his best snaps in college at least from what I've seen and from what we graded at PFF were his snaps in the nickel spot so you know I do think he's got a lot of versatility back there and that was something obviously that Brandon Staley loved was just being able to show defenses and quarterbacks one look pre-snap and immediately rotate post-snap which was obviously causing a lot of confusion a Mm -hmm. little bit of delay on quarterbacks you know timing and stuff like that and I think that was a large part of the reason why the Rams were so successful in terms of their defensive statistics and their secondary and their ability to stop passing games was that versatility on the back end that guys like John Johnson had so you know I think Terrell Burgess could be that guy for the Rams but um, I think we gave him a, a little bit too much shine this episode for a guy who hasn't played that much I feel like you know, we're both very, very high on him, but I think you it's see the potential. I think that was right. that was he. It was tough to pick between him and uh, Sebastian. So I think I think we covered our bases here. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the offense is a lot more like established in terms right. of 
you know, who, who's going to start where. But uh, that does it for our episode. Jordan, that was amazing. I think everyone, you know, learned a lot in this episode, myself included. Um, make sure you guys check uh, all her work out at The Athletic. I promise you guys it's going to be worth uh, your time and your money. And you should absolutely go listen to their podcast as well, her and Rich on the 11 Personnel Podcast. You can find all of us on Twitter at QBZMEP, at Jordan Rodrigue, and at Locked on Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me.